Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Green Team of the Legendarium, the weird little spinoff podcast where patrons of the Legendarium gather together to discuss the books and topics the main crew hasn't gotten around to yet. I'm Chesky Kuje, and today we're going to be discussing The Human Division by John Scalzi, which is the fifth book in the Old Man's War series. I have with me today the hostess of hosts, LRB. Hi, everyone. And I have with me the friend of the Green Team and giver of platforms, Lammy Lambs. Hello, hello. Um, so let's just uh, let's get into this. On a scale of one to five, how did you guys feel about this book? Uh, I can go first. I loved. I loved the style of this book. I loved all the short stories. I give it a five out of five. I would say a four point seven. It is by far my favorite. Well my second favorite i think i like old old man's war better but it is my favorite of the sequels for sure let me how you feel like like a like a four five four five four four point five yeah yeah it's it's very solid there's a lot of like good macgyvering that happens in this I do think it is good macgyvering as opposed to it could have been very bad macgyvering uh, done poorly. So, so what is it about this book that makes us like it so much more than the other books? Was it the short story nature? Is it just the story that's actually being told, or what? Um, I think a big part of it is that we we aren't following Invincible Superman John Perry. <laughs> I mean, fair. Yeah, I did miss my John Perry though. Uh, Hearts out to him. So I would say I liked that we had all these different groups and that the different groups were used to exposition the other groups. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it didn't feel like Captain Exposition showed up and was like, oh, here, I'm going to explain everything. They're like, this is the behind the scene thing going on with the diplomatic corps. This is the behind the scene thing going on Earth. This is whatever and we had a lot of fun little vignettes um i almost cried laughing with the dog that was hilarious i yeah i don't know i i liked the story story style i felt like getting just enough of each story to to really get what it's talking trying to convey what's supposed to be happening and then cutting away and going to a next one i thought he excelled really well at keeping these these stories short and to the point. Uh, but there were a couple in here that I felt like really didn't need to be in here. Uh, case in point, the the Dog King story. <laughs> shame. shame on you. That was so shame funny. on me. It was funny. I just didn't feel like it fit the rest of the story because it's just they go there, they find the thing, they're making negotiations, and then they mess things up and disagree. fix things at the same time. I disagree, but that's spoilers. That's well, I mean, I I will also disagree, but for a reason that I would like to bring up later. Okay, that's fine. So, so um, let's see. Wrong. That's okay. No, Tetchesky's right. Still, we haven't gotten into the arguing where I can convince <laughs> you yet. So, uh, I think. I think we're good. I mean, is there anything you guys wanted to bring up before we got into spoilers, or should we just go right in? I think one of the strengths of this book is that unlike 
a couple of the uh, earlier entries into the series, the end solution to the problems that are presented in this book isn't send a bunch of guys with guns down to kill everyone. It's like, that won't work for this. And, and so, like, our characters have to be smart, have to think things through, have to come up with, you know, out-of-the-box solutions. MacGyver. I like that. That is a good point to bring up. So. Although there is a healthy amount of action in this book. For sure. It's all yeah. smaller but scale for the most part. Generally, the action is not solving the problem. The action is getting to something that can solve the problem. Yeah. 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 So. All right. Well, let's uh, let's just get into some spoiler stuff. Let's talk about it. This book is a series of the short stories, like we're saying, like 13 short stories back to back. Um, Which one was your guys' favorite real quick? Red Dog King is your favorite? I mean, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it definitely made me laugh the hardest. Um, It's probably my favorite. Uh, I also really like the last one, too. Uh, Mine are kind of a tie between number six, the back channel and Mm -hmm. number eight, the sound of rebellion. Yeah. I like those two. I, I really liked, I thought the voice in the wilderness was done really well. Um, It brings you a brand new character in, you kind of instantly learn his motivations, what he's going for. And then you start seeing the subtle manipulation and the more manipulation. And then you get to the end and it's like, Hey, you did everything we wanted. Here's your prize. It's death. And and you just see it from another, you know, because we're used to the diplomats and the CDF side. And now we're seeing like straight. We don't know who's even controlling him or was talking to him. So I like that. It kept a good mystery going there. This is the brain in the box one, right? No, no. the voice in the wilderness is the uh, the radio the talk show host. Yeah, the radio. Oh, host. yes, yes, yes. OK. Mm-hmm. Okay, are we ready for synopsis? Oh yeah, sorry, Lammy. Please give us your synopsis. I am ready. Okay, so just a heads up for you guys. These are extraordinarily bare bones. If you'd like to stop in between them and like actually fill stuff in, feel free. So here I go. Short stories. Number one, the B team. A ship explodes. This had made many people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. two cdf colonels arrange a backup ship to make up for the exploded one the backup ship shows up finds a box explodes some missiles then explodes another missile Mm -hmm. you guys want to fill in anything there or move on or not john and now i'm blanking on wilson harry wilson yes and him going out there with the missiles and the stuff that was awesome i love that it's great yeah that is the right story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm just making sure. <laughs> it's it's where he he designs a uh, a new method of finding black boxes that have used right, up all right, their right. used up their battery. Yeah. That was amazing. Again, MacGyvering. Yeah, real real quality MacGyvering throughout this throughout this whole book. I have to agree. Uh, all right, number two, walk the plank. A guy with a hurt leg tells how he got there. 
This one was good for the setup of the story. That's all that happens in it. And he dies at the end from the rot. But this was this was one of the weaker ones again, in my opinion. But um, okay. So in terms of like moving the story forward, there's a little bit of that. Um, but also it fills out the world because we finally get a look at a wildcat colony. We haven't seen that before. We've heard about it, but we haven't seen that yet. But then you find yeah. out it's not actually a wildcat colony. It's not because they have. No, it is. No, we, they the they're not the same. It's still a wildcat colony. It's just three CDF guys pretending to be wildcat. Whoa, whoa, spoilers. We don't know oh. that yet. Well, well, no, we do because the head in the no, box. Not until That's the later not stories. In the story. Yeah. Whatever. We're in spoilers, okay? <laughs> Story number three. We only need the heads. Red, do you want to take this one? <laughs> no. The CDF investigates a failed wildcat colony in order to get ahead of the aliens <clears throat> whose planet it is. Head pun. Failed spectacularly. And this, this is the same colony from, from Story number two. Yep. I mean, they're basically the same story. I think, anyway, the two together. I but mean, yeah, there's there's apparently the CDF has been seeding wildcat colonies with with a couple of their own people just to sort of keep an eye on things and see how the conclave reacts. Yeah, see if it's a viable expansion policy. Oh, they're just wildcat colonies. A voice uh, in the wilderness. Number four, a voice in the wilderness. A radio host fails to ask the right questions. <laughs> yep. No, I thought. No, he doesn't ask the right questions. I, asks, no, 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 no. I, I'm agreeing with Lammy. Oh, yeah. He does fail to ask the right questions. And, um, but he's super popular, I guess. And then he's dead. So there's that. Too bad for him. Number five Tales from the Clark. On board the oldest ship still flying, sports scores prevent everyone from exploding. I guess I remember this one. That was an interesting one. Again, using the MacGyver, the science, to solve it. Yeah, real real quality MacGyvering throughout this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, next up, the back channel. This one's number six. A cool alien doesn't explode racist, but does explode a goat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. So it's a colony of white nationalists, is what it is. Yeah, with with Nazi tattoos. I don't know if you guys caught that. Um, yes. <laughs> oh, I didn't Sorval, catch that one. Uh, was like, hey, that's that's a cool tattoo, real angular. <laughs> that's as much description yep. as we get, but it's enough. And poor goat. I mean, yeah. she blew well, the goat. Honest sacrifice. Great sacrifice of the goat. Uh, though I will say, the, the best part about this, there are churros. <laughs> yeah. There are. <laughs> and now I'm hungry. All right. Number seven, the dog king. This one's Red's favorite. To become the king, you have to kill the king. There can only be one. <laughs> <laughs> dog gets eaten by a plant and they're having a war because there's a missing king and then no 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 Wilson... they, they already had the war the, the well, war happened 
Yeah, where it's mostly still over. tensions, is the point. And the dog gets eaten by a plant and finds the king. And because the dog has been chewing on the king's bones, the crown thinks that the dog is a descendant of the king and attaches itself to the dog. <laughs> I loved it so much. It was so funny. It was and a then, pretty ingenious way of solving that with the the smart blood. Right, but that exactly. that leads me to a thing I want to bring up later about the only problem I have with this universe. There's a small problem I have with it. Okay. Lots of problems with this universe. Uh, then it sounds like it's time to move on to number eight, The Sound of Rebellion. Listen, there's talk of rebellion in the Colonial Union. There is. Yeah. Okay. I, I was expecting you guys to want to like fill more stuff in for people, but I guess if they haven't read these, then tough for them. Yeah, it's, it's tough to say. Sorry, keep going. Uh, this one had the most use of, start, of Smart Blood. Uh, so, Chesky, if you want to talk about Smart Blood, now's, now's a good time. No, it's not necessarily... Yeah, it's not the Smart Blood I have an issue with. It's, uh, it's the Brain Pals again. But we'll talk about that uh, later. Okie doke. Number nine, The Observers, a murder mystery episode. Oh, that one was a really good murder mystery. Yeah. Um, and just so much fun to have like this little um what's the phrase in TV? A bottle episode? Yes. This little bottle episode, murder mystery. It was great. And I I, oh. I I could describe a few of these as bottle episodes. Well, I mean in, in terms of all... like if they were filmed, how how they would function. I really like that we get the answer to this one in a later story as to how exactly everything right. turned out. And it's the creepiest way possible. Like, well, if I had to guess, it would be this and this and then this and then that's how this would go. And maybe I'm just a guy who doesn't care anymore. And then you're like, um, excuse me, that was very specific for a uh, random Joe, you know, obviously not so random, but uh I like that that both of those together. Um, number, num sorry. No, no, no. I want to say, going back to the structure of the book, it's a very interesting... John does a really good job of holding it all together. Um, it, it works like a really good season of a TV show. The whole I have things to say about that later. Okay, fine. Well... Yeah. Uh, all right. Yes. Number 10. This must be the place. A family reunion. This one, Chesky, I think is the one that could have been cut. Yeah. I'm trying to remember exactly what happens in this one. See, it's bad when I'm looking at it. I don't really remember exactly so, what happened in this one versus the other one. So, Yes, it could be cut. But I just find it charming. Because you find out about um, Schmidt. Schmidt and his family. And you find out about politics in the Phoenix station and you find out just well not Phoenix know, station like the planet little... Phoenix yeah the Phoenix, Phoenix planet no planet. I'm I'm with Lammy this one could have definitely been cut or shortened by quite a bit but it's such my... a short book anyway and I liked it I mean it wasn't my favorite but it was cozy I mean... and like him defending his 
his work to his family because they all think he's like, oh, you're just second rate. Oh, he, he was. He is on the B team. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but they're using him as, uh, what do they call it, the fire? He's He's not the fire team portion, though. He's just there. Yeah, he's just an assistant. But uh, Wilson and Abumwe are are the fire team. But he yeah. would not be. It wouldn't be the fire team without Schmidt. I'm sorry, I disagree. I just think that he's important too. Anyway, uh, my main argument for keeping this is the same one I have for keeping the dog king. No, not the dog king. Um, the other one. Walk the Plank, which is, we get a look at something in the Colonial Union that we haven't seen before, which is a colonized and functioning planet. With the government. And a look at their political system. So, Mm -hmm. like, we've seen a new colony, we've seen a wildcat colony now, and now we're looking at a a well-established colony. And, And also, basically, the driving force in the CDF. At least that's the feeling I got. Uh, this is just the driving force of like phoenix station i mean phoenix planet phoenix the planet, planet excuse phoenix. me the phoenix planet yeah because the cdf is is unknowable no one knows what their official goals are because the higher-ups never say anything all right number Let's 11 yeah. a problem of proportion some ships don't explode despite every attempt <laughs> there are a lot of attempts on this one. This one is interesting because we see the brain in the box and we learn who is piloting these ships and that these ships from both sides. I love that we're seeing it from both sides um, on us. I don't know if it's we know this on the other side yet, but both sides are losing ships. And we see, oh, they're being piloted by brains in boxes. They're not crewed. And then you think, who's got the technology to do this? Humans, maybe. The Conclave, maybe. But we, like, we have no direct, like, oh, yeah, I've seen the humans put a brain in a box and pilot a ship. Because I think if they could do that, they would do something similar to that just to, to save personnel. Because the right, CDF has a... The earth anymore, right? because yeah, and then they wouldn't need as many... It wouldn't, the colony and the soldiers wouldn't hurt as bad because they wouldn't need, you know, one person per ship. So... It just makes me more interested in this shadow organization that's doing all these things. So So I really enjoyed the interaction between Wilson and the brain. And he's there Mm -hmm. and he's trying to disarm the bomb. Because if he takes the brain off the ship, it'll explode everything. And the brain is like, you know, thanks for helping. Uh, Just go. Thank you. And this book did not make me cry, but that was one of the scenes that almost got me to cry. Anyway, so the brain just says, just stay with me and give me a way out on my own terms. And then you find out that the coordinates that he that the brain was given would have sent him into the sun anyway. And it's just very touching. It was All right, very number sad. 12. Sorry, Chesky, what? Oh, I was just agreeing. It was very sad. Sorry. Number 12. Number 12. The Gentle Art of Cracking Heads. A Mysterious Stranger Solves the Murder Mystery from Story 9. Yep. That's that. No, he does. 
That's <laughs> he does, but you still don't find you don't know what the organization the organization is yet. You still don't know. No, you but we know, know that... we know how that person was was right. changed. Yes. Yeah, which is the the big question from number nine. Number but we thirteen. Still don't know how the nanobots got into the ambassador. How... Do we? Get in anywhere. They're in a drink. They're in the air. I mean, they're nanobots. You could remote target them to drop into somebody and, and start working. Like that's not even a that's not even a, a worry at all. I don't know. So I, 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 I feel like Scalzi has some established rules for his nanobots. Like they have to be in the body before they can start doing stuff. That that right. seems pretty well established. All right, but I just I mean I think he says something about it. Just like you know, put some nanobots in a cup in a restaurant. She comes and drinks it. You know, bam, they're in. Like, but there's just so many ways they could have been delivered. It's not even worth like thinking about. Like, I was actually uh, thinking about not her, but uh, the dude who she killed. Like, when did mm -hmm. she get his nanobots? She didn't kill him. He was found with his head beaten open. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the ambassador, the one. The, oh, the one, the one that she killed. Well, whose name I cannot remember and would mispronounce it, even if I could. Wasn't it that he didn't have, he didn't have nanobots. He had the smart blood that was being told to grab oxygen yeah, and never let nanobots. it go. Yeah, it's it's nanobots. I guess technically they're nanobots, but it's different brands of nanobots <laughs> besides your general all purpose and your smart blood. Because well, it was he specifically had, he had smart general blood. purpose nanobots that were pretending to be smart blood. Yeah. So, I mean, again, it could have been delivered to him anytime, you know. I mean, they'll just sit in your just, body forever until they, you know, activate. I just more wanted to make sure I wasn't missing something. Like, we never... Found no, you anything. never see that, no. All right, number 13. Earth below, sky above. All right, I'm going to do one better on the baby shoes for sale, never worn. We're doing five words. Okay. Space station for sale exploded. <laughs> oh boy, this uh, this was a great story. Obviously, it's uh, they're trying to sell the station above Earth, Earth Station, lease. right? Not so hmm? lease. Uh, lease, basically sell. a sale. They're trying to lease Earth Station. The aliens or the ships, uh, we don't know if they're aliens. The ships come in, blow it up, specifically targeting people. Uh, I was a little, just a teeniest bit disappointed that everybody survived from our main crew. I think one death would have been okay. Whether it was well, we, Schmidt. We did lose somebody from the main crew. Who do we lose? Captain. Captain Coloma. Oh, she does go down with her ship. That's right. I just don't count her as our main crew because she's just grumpy and doesn't really. There's I, only I, she five does. people she does in the count. crew, man. She does count. You're right. No, I just no. There's no, five no. people. There's Abumwe. There's Abumwe. Schmidt. There's Wilson. There's Captain Coloma, and there's Executive Officer Officer Bala. Isn't there a couple other pilots and whatnot too, though? Well, I mean, those are just nameless crew. There's... They don't count. Yeah, they're red shirts. Red shirts. Yeah, they're just red shirts. They don't they don't count for this purpose because they all get off in the escape pods. So now I like that it was a devastating blow 
to Earth. I liked, I liked the, I don't remember the exact wording, but the scholars he's saying, you know, he's talking about the shit, the space station. And he's like, it was rigged to self-destruct so it didn't blow up Earth, you know, or like fall on Earth or destroy things. He's like, and this would have worked great if only it wasn't being hit with missiles. But then obviously it still worked out but fine. It was but it was also just rigged so that the technology, like none of the technology would fall to Earth, too. Yeah. Uh huh. Because they were still keeping Earth in the dark. Well, when they built it, they, they were. were they when were it was built. For the events of John Perry showing up on Earth from the end of so. book three. Yeah. This was, I mean, just. In terms of story impact, it's a devastating blow to the CDF and to Earth. Yeah. Like it totally crushes all hope of re- reunification for the foreseeable future until they can find and like deal with this shadow organization. So, uh, yeah. So, one of my favorite parts of well, there's two parts I really enjoy about this. Um, one is Wilson looking at Earth and just remembering earth and thinking did i make the right decision because all my friends are dead basically dragging schmidt into the airlock to look out through the only window on the ship yeah yeah and it's just um yeah so i really enjoyed that i also enjoyed the bar fight with the four soldiers it's like (laughs) he sets up the rules like I get to hit you guys or you can hit me. And if I can block you, then I get to hit you. He just like maximal. And then they show up later in the story. And they show up later in the story to be jerks and then blown up. <laughs> well, one got stuck to vacuum. And his face the other three, off in the, the other three might have survived. <laughs> hmm? The other three might have survived. Maybe. I mean, wasn't it pretty much implied that like, I guess they could have gotten on the escape pods, but. The other ship was targeting. Ships were targeting the escape pods, too. Oh, right. All the escape pods got blown up, too. Except for Schmidt. Yep, because of Captain Coloma. Yep. Yes. Still a bit convenient. I agree. That was the only part, but I'm willing to overlook it. So... Hart All Schmidt right. got his own entire, like, family reunion short story. Of course he's surviving. He's yeah, a main right. character. And I really did like the relationship changing between Schmidt and Wilson from the beginning to the end where, the, you know, they're kind of just like, oh, we're here together, but I don't know you. And then they work together more and more. And, and now, you know, they're friends at the end. The well, if are, you so. read one of the extra short stories that takes place before this whole thing starts, I did. you can understand why Wilson isn't exactly a ray of, sh- of sunshine where Schmidt is concerned. <laughs> That's so funny, though. Can you take a so, so How funny. How many are we talking about you taking? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, let's just start talking about our, our miscellaneous things for a little bit. We've kind of been through everything. If you have something you want to bring up, bring it up. I'm going to say I want to see the CDF. I want to see the head people in charge of the CDF. Because we never see them. We only see the people who are doing the work, you know, like uh, Egan and Rigby. I think Rigby. it is. Rigby, thank you. Like we see them doing all this work and they're like, oh, we're getting our commands. And we've seen the generals getting their commands. I want to know who's at the top. And I want to just know. I mean, I don't think Scalzi could tell us, 
but I want to know like what is the CVF's plan or what's their goals. But I, you know, I thought if, we saw them back in book two. I thought it was the generals. Like, I thought that was it. it. Are they the head though? Like, just five generals, or is it? I like. I, I thought so. I had that impression. That was the impression I had as well. I guess. I guess I just pictured generals as taking orders from somebody or some people in charge, like a president slash thing. I but I don't know. I don't know. Okay, that's fine. If you guys think it's the generals, then you think it's the generals, and I'm I'm the crazy one here. But I mean, you are. I am. I am a little crazy. So, okay. Well, since you brought up Abel Rigney, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into my thing here. Go which ahead. Is that is clearly a Wheel of Time reference. Um, Abel is Matt Cawthon's dad in the Wheel of Time. Rigney is. Jim Rigney, a.k.a. Robert Jordan, when he isn't writing. Um, that is pretty cool to see. I didn't catch that until you said it, because I'm just, uh, I don't think that way. You guys so are a bunch of nerds. I was looking for, like, other people's names that might be a similar level of reference, and I didn't spot anything, but I'm not as well-read as you two, necessarily. So, did you guys catch anything? <sighs> So I did not catch anything, but I'd have to go through. Where they spit, where the aliens spit on the ambassadors and say, give me, or we give you our water. I think that was a Dune reference. Could definitely be a Dune reference, yeah. All right. Anything else? But I want to go back to um, Egan and Rigney. I sure. really enjoyed, like, even though their stories weren't a big part I really enjoyed kind of a, the pull back the curtain nature of those little stories, but I also really enjoyed their relationship. They were fun. They, it was fun to watch them interact with each other. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but yeah, at the no, end they were feeding the ducks. No, I liked it. The him being like, I got to scare these generals and tell them like the starkest of stark, harshest of harsh realities. Diplomats. Just so they'll, yeah, the diplomats, just diplomats, diplomats, just so they'll think about, like actually making changes and doing things the right way or doing bad things better versus just like telling them. And, you know, even then she's still, you know, punching it up a little bit. Like, so I liked, I like that. Yeah. First intro to her. I don't think she was punching it up too much because she says at the very last meeting, you know how we said 30 actually more like 20. Well, no, but she says in the, the first meeting, she says 30 years. And then at the very end, after the Earth has been severed from the CDF, she's like, well, now it's more like 20, if that. So, all right, I'm going to tell you guys, I want you guys to tell me why the CDF, in all of its wisdom, takes away people's brain pals afterwards. Because would not a brain pal, in 95% of situations, make things a lot easier on pretty much everybody? Like... Flying a ship if you have a brain pal. And, I mean, the instant communication between people instead of having to be like, hey, hey, over here, look at me. Like, I've got something important to tell you. You could just message it to them. They get it almost immediately. Like, I, I'm fine with being like, okay, you're out of the military. You know, here's just a regular human body. If you don't want your brain pal, I guess you don't, you don't have to keep it. And, like, I know you guys both are kind of a little bit like, I don't love brain pals or whatever, but, like, no, no, no. You can't. 
oh, big just, fan of the brain pal. It's just me. just red. Okay, just red doesn't like the brain pal, but like you can't deny the utility that would be solved by having a brain pal that you could access tons of things. It would solve so many problems. So I'm just like, why, why get rid of like something super advantageous to you as a human race? You know, you are house. assuming a lot of goodwill from the CDF toward anything that isn't the CDF that has never been shown in these books, my friend. That's true. That's true. But you would think that even like the State Department should have brain pals or diplomats could have brain pals or you're going to pilot a ship. Here's a brain pal, you know, like or like here, Especially- here's a ship. Here's one soldier to be on your ship. Just so you have like a real soldier on your ship. If something were to happen, I, I don't, that one's a little bit unrealistic, but like just the lack of like, Oh, you're just a human again. Go colonize the whole world. And like, here's a tablet, what? which is your phone, but sorry, Fred. And we know that nanobots can make a brain pal because. We know that most people don't no, know that. Yeah. But most people don't know that in universe, know, but we do. But yeah. What I'm saying is like, I agree with Chesky. Like, this seems like a, if the CDF wants the human race to survive, it just seems like a smart thing to do. And those er, uh, those humans could just be banned from Earth like all the other people who leave Earth. Like, it, it wouldn't the, get back to Earth. They already are banned from Earth. Yeah, that's like... what I'm saying. So why not? <laughs> I agree. Hand out the brain pals. Right. That's, that, that's like my only, my, my only thing. But I, I agree, like, you know, they could be worried about people remoting the brain pals or doing something with them if they just gave them out to everybody who wasn't in military doing what well like Bowden hacked it and did stuff with it i'm sure they would be afraid other people could do that and reveal troop positions or it could fall into enemy hands if their pilot was destroyed or captured but i just was like this is such a huge utility it would be such a boon even if you only kept it to like spaceship captains right or, yeah, you're gonna have or- instant communication along spaceships or Things like that. I mean, that's all. My minor, minor thing. Or leaders uh, of colonies. State Department officials, right? Like, that was, I don't know. Plus the translation thing and all those other stuff that it can do. Like, even even if it can't operate a weapon, like, it's limited to translation and communication and archiving information. It would just be such a boon to the human race. I agree. And the seat, no one high enough up at the CDF has ever even considered any of this. Guaranteed. Oh, guaranteed. For sure. It's just, I think if you really, if they really cared about it, like the survival of the human race, this would be, I mean, it's like a phone, but better for everybody. So, all right. I was just going to say it's a no brainer. <laughs> all right yeah here's to go yeah, and it's it's such a good idea and it's it it's so it would be so helpful to so many people guaranteed nobody at the general level like at the level at the rank of general even even had the thought come near their brains because they still have their brain pals so it's not they're not yeah. missing it you know yeah 100 percent. so but All right. Surely they talk to some of their retirees. Why nope. would they talk to their retirees? They are the nope. military. They are better than the, the civilians. They know better than the civilians. They know better than the people of Earth. They're the smartest people in any room they walk in. 
These are like 150, 160 year old men. Yeah, they're, you think they're, they're going to change their opinion? <laughs> they they are done having new thoughts. Yeah, I agree with that 100. Okay, who is the shadow agency that is stealing ships, plotting against the Conclave and the CDF and Earth? Go. I, I don't know, but they sound smart and crafty and probably handsome. Oh, it sounds like Lammy knows the answer here. I was going to say Lammy probably is. <laughs> He's behind it all. Red, who is it? <clears throat> I would say the counter-conclave, but that would be too easy. So it can't be that. Well, the counter-conclave broke apart. Okay. It's not the Kansu, because they don't care. It's not their style. They just come in and blow things up if they wanted it. <laughs> We're in charge now. And there's nothing you can do about it because we have magic boxes. <laughs> I don't know. I definitely think that it is an intergalactic or interspecies organization. So it's not just humans. Some things we know. All the ships taken were near the border of either Conclave or humans or CU space. Yep, not human space. CU space. Um, and then there's at least one guy who's a brain in a box. But he was a victim. He wasn't part of it. Well, yeah, no, but we just know that there was one human brain in a box. I believe he's human. human. No, he wasn't human. He wasn't human. And the missiles we've identified and have heard anything about are like the bog standard CU, the CDF missile. Like... Mm -hmm. If you don't need that, it to do anything special except be a missile, get get vague brand missiles. Yeah, and they've all been, or at least all the ones that we had like tracking or like identification on, were reported, destroyed, or used in live fire testing or something like that. Right? No, they were so, all like, decommissioned and sold to either merchants or other colonies. That's and they just that's the ships. That's the ships. Like you don't generally decommission missiles. You just shoot them for oh, target practice. Yes. Sorry. 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 And I feel like we can assume similar similar stuff about stuff on the Conclave side, right? Right. right. So I I think I don't know. I personally think it's a it's an inner like a subgroup of the CDF that has gone rogue, but they're like all the bureaucrats. Not all the bureaucrats, but they're like they have people in those positions to mark things as like, oh yeah, this ship just decommissioned and sold off, and whoosh, there it goes into the the secret shadow cabal, right? So, right. and, they're and I don't know, I don't know what their goal is though, because it's you know, piss off Earth, piss off the CDF, piss off the Conclave. Like they're not making, they're not pushing for human superiority though. They're not pushing for Conclave superiority. They're just trying to mess things up for everybody yeah i am very frustrated with like what is the goal because i mean i guess everybody could go to war and then you could rule over the rubble no the the if if the cdf and the conclave fight which is what they've been trying to get right, happen right. every time like the story where the cdf jumps in a ship fires on them, but the the conclave stops it because they were there first. You know, that's where we find the brain in the box. Like, 
this shadow organization has been pushing for a war, but right. if you have two people fight, then you come in and sweep the victor because you're not, you just didn't, you just didn't fight a war and win it. You made two people fight and then you beat the guy who won. Right. That's, that's the easiest way to take over. Also, uh, this organization has access to what should be secret information. The, Super the secret first, information. Yeah. The very it's first short technology. story was, um, Yes, it was a it was a secret meeting. The B team was supposed to be a secret meeting that very few people knew about. And then I want to say the uh, blah blah blah. The other one, um, up oh, no, I don't remember which one it was. Problem of proportion, I think. Uh, what was the point of the story? Is what you think is what? Uh... Just, just that that was also supposed to be a secret meeting. Oh so, yeah, uh huh. So I they've got one. information, or they've got access to information that they shouldn't have, basically. Right. There's a spy. Yeah, we know that. So, I don't know. I I feel very much about the way I feel about the tailor in book two of the Great Coats about. This plan does not make sense. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, and I know Lammy hasn't read it, and but you know what I'm talking about, Jesky. We had to talk about this. Yeah. But the plan does make sense, right? Like, I mean, I guess are, are they are they looking for universe domination? Is that what they're looking? That's for? that's kind of well, at least some kind of control because, like, if Red, you are the CDF, and Lammy is the Conclave, and I'm the Shadow Organization that wants to control more than I control now. Rather than trying to fight the whole conclave and or fight the whole CDF, well, if I make it. if I make you two fight, yeah, then I can come in and beat you up much easier, right? So I think right. that's just their goal is more power and more expansion. So but I don't know who's smart enough to come up with that plan and execute it as well as they are because none of the other alien races we've seen have been that um, have that much ability. They're more let's just go blow them up. I, I would like to note that in a in an openly declared war, the Conclave one billion percent will absolutely destroy the the colonial union. However, the CDF fights dirty, so they'll make it hurt. Yeah, no, that's what I I, I agree with you on that. The, the the Conclave has excess of ships, excess of everything. I mean, even the battle or not the battle, the explosion in uh, the last colony took out like 1% of their total fleet, it was said, because everybody just donates one ship, right? But the CDF fights dirty, so they're going to make it hurt a lot to take over. Maybe it's the Gamorians. Maybe it's the genetically modified humans. They've gone rogue. They oh, are so mad. <laughs> no, or, some, so or some You've species. you that they're very, very happy. They're like well, chilling, having sex. But you know who we didn't see in this book? We (laughs) didn't see, no, we didn't see special forces in this book at all. Maybe special forces gone rogue. No, I don't think we did. No, I'm pretty sure we don't see any special forces. So, so I, I, I'm putting it out there. This is my, my thought. It's, it's, I don't think it's special forces because they, that just doesn't seem like them, but I'm getting, it's a genetically modified strain of humans that have gone rogue, that was so super secret, top secret, that nobody knows about it, except for, like, the head generals. But why? Because they're also trying to separate Earth off 
and kind of make it on its own. Mm-hmm. I think it's just part of weakening the CDF. Sure, probably. But I'm just saying, like, wouldn't you want to preserve? But it also depends on who they are. Yeah. So besides just power, there has to be another goal in what they're doing. Or maybe it's just power. I mean, fine. It's just it power. could be either way. Know. All I right. Mean, if I were trying to figure out who was in this secret shadowy organization, I would limit my scope to smart, crafty, handsome people. Smart, crafty, handsome me. people. So it's Scalzi and Lammy. They're, they're the ones in this together. They did this. Okay. Um, let's change topic because we're just going to spin forever on the who is the shadow agency. Who I'm was sure your... We'll find out in the next book. Yeah, who is your favorite character? I said Wilson was the best character. He does all the sciencey stuff. He brings back the, you know, he's in the same platoon as John when they enlisted. So that's he's my favorite character in this these short short stories. Red or Lammy, who's who's your favorite? I mean, Wilson. I'm sorry. I know that's the same as you. But he's so much fun. He has a great sense of humor. He he is willing to put up with a lot of crap. And he's also really out of his element in the sense that he's the only CDF person on the ship. And so he has to deal with being green. So ha, 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 ha. All um, right, Lammy. I, I enjoy watching CDF people use their, use their brain pals and, and, and stuff in clever ways. So Wilson... And also, uh, whoever our point of view person was in The Sound of Rebellion. I don't remember her name. No, the point of view is, uh, is the reporter. Oh, no, The Sound of Rebellion. Sorry. I thought you said voice in the wilderness. That was way off. Is that, is that Lowen, the I, state, I, the state no, senator's Sound daughter? Of, Sound of Rebellion was the, the CDF people get kidnapped and tortured. Oh, yeah, that was a good, po- that was a good yeah, point that of view. Too, that yeah. was a good one, yeah. You're right. That's a good character. But again, CDF and a brain pal. Looks yeah. like there's a common thread here between people getting stuff done yeah, and having I, I a like, brain pal. I like reading about them using that in a in a clever way. Like it's good stuff. It wasn't the uh, wasn't the combustion trick uh, started by John Perry. Uh, yes. No, that was no, that it was wasn't? book two. That it was, was book two. Jared it was D-Rack. book two. Yeah, it was Dirac. Yep. I knew it was in one of the books we'd read. I just couldn't remember first or second. So. That was really cool when she did that. That was amazing. Okay, let's see. I, I've run through my list of things to talk about. Uh, Brad, do you have anything you want to bring up? Um, I think we talked about most of what I wanted to talk about. Oh, so do you think that it's a foregone collude, con- a foregone conclusion that the Earth and the CD if the CU are going to break up because I don't I don't think that that's a foregone conclusion. I think it's a foregone conclusion that they break up unless within six months to a year, maybe a year and a half, the CU can honestly and directly point to like, hey, these are the people who blew you up with undeniable proof. Otherwise, they're done for a while because from the Earth's perspective, it was all a trap. From the CU's perspective, it's a horrible tragedy. I mean, based on what we're told at the very, very end of this book, even undeniable proof probably won't be good enough. 
Yeah, it, that's that's true. That is what they say. So I'm like, maybe with uh, Lowen, the state senator's daughter, she'll be able to do some things. But Earth is fractured, no unified government. So it's I doubt it's going to be resolved in the next book, or they'll be buddy buddy again, unless it's a fifty year time gap. I mean, not buddy buddy, but I don't see. Well, I guess all the ships were conclave ships that showed up at the Earth at the Earth station, right? No, I don't believe they were. I think it was a mix. Oh, not conclave. I think it was all. No, I mean Earth. I think they. I were. thought it was all CU ships. Maybe it was all CU yeah. ships. Yeah. It was the fifteen or sixteen or twenty or however many. So maybe. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I just don't. We we definitely got to see the the ship that that one guy fell out of who hurt his leg. Yes, we did. <laughs> we did get to see that leg rot. Uh -oh. Which, by the way, that sounds very nasty. And yeah, I, yeah, man, I, wildcat I, colonies. They they are not safe. Yeah, it's just well, uh, the, the other ones aren't either. <laughs> I mean, but the other ones are at least like they had the pack instead. I mean, well, that functionally was a wildcat colony. Like they didn't actually yes. properly research it. Yeah, they didn't know. So no, right. uh, yeah, Lammy, what what other things do you want to talk about? I have a thing that I alluded to way back at the beginning. Yes, alluded uh, more. This this book on this read. Um, read to me like a pit, like an updated pitch for, uh, for this being turned into a TV show. Mm. Like if if you take mm. this book as as sort of like a show bible, you you get like a good example of a bunch of different types of stories you can tell week to week. You get most of them are like very very light on budget. Like you've got a few cool looking aliens. You've got a handful of sets like they're easily you, doable with like five to 10 sets max. I mean, yeah. Um, the, the most expensive thing is going to be your season finale of blowing up earth station. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So like this, this reads to me of like, okay, if you want to pick up old man's war as a series, make it a TV show, you can do cool stuff without necessarily having to throw all of your budget toward big alien battles. Like you can, you can cut back and forth between, between viewpoints. Like you can have, you can have a John Perry as like the, you know, the season, like the pilot, the, the mid season break. And then the finale, you can have Harry Wilson as like a couple of these middle episodes. You can have mm -hmm. ambassador Abumwe as a couple more. Like you can you can jump between things. You can have all of this happening like concurrently in in one in season. The story, yeah. And most of these episodes can be very very cheap to to film. Yeah, I while, while still being like good compelling stories. Yeah, I like that idea that this could be a TV show. My question is is just would you try and do this style of story? for like the whole season, like the whole thing for like book one through five, or would it be like, we're just going to start here at like the end of book four, you know, just be like, Hey, you know, the backstory there's aliens. We go up to space, 
you know, now we're here. And then we have this book is like the first season. So what do you think? I would do it in my great wisdom and massive experience as a TV producer. Mm-hmm. Um, is I would do Old Man's War as a movie and then do these books as or th- this book as a TV series. So like what um Cowboys in Space that turned into Serenity. Firefly. Firefly. So that, but in opposite. All right. But I do think um, it's a pitch. I mean, the chapters are called episodes, not chapters. Yeah. And like we know that this series has been optioned at least a few times. Um, I first heard about it, gosh, it's got to be a decade ago when Sci-Fi picked it up and then never did anything with it. Um, and and we also know that John Scalzi has worked in television pretty extensively. Like he knows, he knows the industry. He knows how how TV works, basically. So yeah. Him him doing this like this makes sense to me. And as you were talking, um, the fact that episode one and episode 13 are twice as long as the other episodes, two-parters. Oh, oh yeah. No, definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, definitely, I definitely. I can even see the guy from Galaxy Quest two-parters. so we do and and there's there's no reason to have these as two-parters like there's not really a break between the parts no it's not it's just one to the other it's just formatting though that's all it is it's just formatting Uh uh-huh and we all Um, know that the episode that never the sequel never appeared was just like that at the end it was like a cliffhanger so anyway I just made me yeah. think of Galaxy if, Quest just now. <laughs> if I were in charge of, like, if I were hired to be a showrunner, despite having no experience with it and having never worked in television before. Unlike me. Uh, whoever, whoever, has, whoever has the rights to this, you know, let me know. Hook me DM up. At yeah. Lammy Lambs. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, I would have, I, I think I'd have season one be sort of a mix of books one and two happening concurrently. Um, just because, like, you can you can fuzz the timeline a little bit, right? Like, oh, yeah. Jane, mm-hmm. Jane is off doing Special Forces stuff all throughout John Perry's career. Like, they, they have very little interaction. They have a little bit, but, but right. not much. Like, you can, you can do that. And you can have, like, small-scale stuff. And then season two would be this, I think. You would just skip the last colony because I, I think, think I the would. last colony would work really well as its own season. Like here, John, you're set to go fund this colony, and then it could pull both from like Zoe's tale and the last colony. Obviously, you could have a two episode werewolf arc or a three episode this arc, and here's the conclave coming in. And I don't, I think I would see that one working pretty fa- good as a as its own season as well. And then this book be season. Uh, three, but I like your season two. It works too. I just I think Zoe's tale and Lost Connie would work well. You have enough information in those books to make a ser an ep- a season without sure. having to create new things in that season. You know, like that weren't there originally. Sure, sure, sure. Um, also, this this is coming from a place for me of I feel like the Wheel of Time TV show should have covered the first three books in the first season. 
instead of some of book one. That's that's a big ask. Three books in one season, though. I feel like they could have done it if they wanted to. I've Maybe if they had like three episodes and. Maybe I think I think if maybe if they had more episodes, but wasn't it only eight episodes, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, if they had the twelve to to eighteen episodes, they probably could have gotten at least books one and two. But I don't know about three. That's tough. Well, I also would have been cutting a lot. <laughs> but that's that's a totally different book series. We're talking about we're talking about what what is this? Old Man's Human War. Division. Old Man's War. Join us on our next episode for how the Wheel of Time TV show could be improved, featuring Lammy Lambs. <laughs> you know what? Don't don't tease me. I will I will record that episode if you let me. <laughs> oh dear lord. <laughs> maybe maybe we can do that on on your podcast sometime. So uh, all right, patrons uh, only. Is there, <laughs> patrons only. Yes. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to bring up about the Human Division? Um, I liked it a lot better than I liked the last two books we read. Oh yeah, you, uh, Chesky, you mentioned this was your second favorite. What what was your it first? Is. Let's. You know what? How about this? How about if we just rank all five books? Yes, rank all five books so far. Oh, all right. No, no, no. This Let's is... do that the next episode when we do the last book. I I need to make a list and I need to be prepared. Okay. I'm not prepared. This is a spoiler for this is a teaser for all you listeners out there. I'll give my first two. Uh, I think Old Man's War stands ahead of, of the best, just as the beginning. It really gets you into the series. It's very exciting. And then the human division. One, two. And then I'll secretly think about the other ones for the next episode. So, all right. My, my number one and number two are The Last Colony. Number one, and then number two, I think book two, I think Ghost Brigades. Ooh, Ooh. Tammy coming in with the spicy take. I like it. Yeah, because mine first two match Chesky's at this point, so. Because I'm boring. Right. That, that is fair, but I, I was very happy with the Ghost Brigades breaking away from being Starship Troopers. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, it's not to say it's not a good book. Just not my number yeah, one. No, two. they're all good books. Like I have not <laughs> read one and been like, I hated this. Unlike well, yeah. Chesky, Chesky had some on. some some bad feelings toward the last colony. So I'm just I glad did. I finally read a book that didn't make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Uh, this is going to conclude our episode today. Uh, thanks for listening. Our music is Galactic Damages by Jingle Punks. You can find us on the Legendarium's Discord. There's an invite link on thelegendarium.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Green Team Pod. And you can also join in and support us and help support the Legendarium podcast via Patreon. Thank you, Craig, for loaning us a little corner of your media empire. And a shout out to Horizon Brave for starting this all off. Thank uh, you, Little Red Book. Oh, excuse me. I will let some shameless plugs go on. Lammy Lambs, would you like to shamelessly plug yourself? Uh, you can catch me plugging myself, I guess. That sounds dirty. I don't like that. <laughs> Okay, anyway. Uh, yeah, every week at uh, the Cosmere Deep Dive podcast, we are currently a little more than halfway through Oathbringer. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's coming quick. But, you know, Sanderson releasing four books 
by surprise next year is gonna is gonna stretch some things out anyway well at least you know you're not running out of uh oh sorry at least you know you're not running out of content anytime soon oh yeah no we're we're good to go for a while uh cosmere deep dive podcast little red book do you have anything to plug also he has a patron and he's starting to produce patron only content um one episode so far featuring red about to be two (laughs) and i am it's we're pushing we're pushing back until the end of june but i have a new podcast called wordless that i'm doing with uh formerly of the legendarium discord eridandas um and it's called wordless like i said and it's about short fiction in sci-fi and fantasy genres so we're going to be doing Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Tuesday. Nice. Nice. And I, when I'm not hosting Green Team episodes, um, host the Libromancy podcast where I talk about the fantasy books I'm reading for 15-ish minutes at a time. Usually good reviews, sometimes bad. Uh, I just finished recording The Burning God today, so it's it's a book. That's all I can say about it. All right. That's true. (laughs) Thank you, Lammy. Uh, Thank you, Little Red Book. Uh, I'm Chesky, and uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye, Bye. everybody. Bye.